it's funny to me that people go to church every week and then there's no healing there. Like, how can that happen? That's the place where they're supposed to be healing, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. We gather in his name weekly. And there's churches all over the country and all over the world where there's not a single healing that takes place in that congregation. That's just strange to me. You know, the early church, they, they re, what they were known for, there was a, there was a time when a, one, one uh, government official was talking to another government official and they were talking about the persecution of the Christians. And one of them was saying, we need to stop, we need to make sure that they're not being persecuted. If they die, who will cast out your devils? Real practical question. If they die, what's going to happen to your demons? Who has the authority to cast them out? Let's not kill the Christians. That's literally what they were saying. Just find that crazy. Should I just go ahead and start, you guys? Can I dive on in? All right. Um, I should probably... How many of y'all were here last year when I spoke on tongues and interpretation? Okay, so about half the room. That's that's good. Thank you. Always. Well, just for those of you who have not ever heard me speak on this stuff, I just want to give a little brief introduction. Um... My name is Michael Miller. I, I started a ministry called Thomas Ministries. Uh, do you guys have that, the webpage? You can just pull up and show them. About a, a year ago, uh, I was here with Jason Hooper, and Jason Hooper gave me a word, and he said that um, I used to be a, a math teacher. I taught mathematics for about five years, and he prophesied to me and said, this is going to be the last year for you to teach. He said, you can keep doing it, but it's going to be in your own strength. Then he said, uh, you've been worried about uh, finances. The Lord's going to provide financial backers that are going to back your ministry. Uh, so I'm like processing this word. I'm talking with my church about going on staff with them. Oh, there it is. Thomas Ministries. You can go to the, the webpage if you want to check it out. I got testimonies up there, actual videos of people who have been healed. Uh, one video where you actually see a person get healed. Um, and that was just out in the streets. One of them's on an airplane. One of them's on a Starbucks or at a Starbucks. Another one's in a, in a restaurant. Um, and then just kind of cool stuff. Gives a little update about what I'm doing as well. Anyway, um, so Hooper gave me that word, and then fast forward, about five months later in April, uh, I get a, a text message from a guy named Brad McClendon, a real prophetic friend of mine. He says, Michael, I wouldn't normally do this, but uh, this, this was so specific and all, I thought I should pass it along to you. He said, a friend of mine named, named Etienne Blom uh, got this word for a young man Mike, named Michael. So I read the word. It says... Um, <clears throat> There's a young man named Michael. He, he moves a lot of miracles, signs, and wonders. Uh, now, Etienne's saying this. I'm not saying this. Uh, <laughs> he said that the Lord is um, calling this guy to make a move. And he's going to have to make this move to receive the blessing the Lord has for him. And he said, uh, Brad, I want you, uh, the Lord told me to t- give you this word because he says, you know this young man and you play a significant role in his life. And so I'm getting this and I'm freaking out. Well, the guy didn't just get my name. He also saw my face. He had a vision of me. Well, that same weekend that that word was given to me, someone walked into my church and wrote a check for several thousands of dollars, said, this is for Michael Miller to go back into ministry. And so since that time, I put together this web, uh, this, this web page and this ministry, and um, I call it Thomas Ministries because a uh, long time ago, um, one of the first times I'd had somebody prophesy to me, they said, I feel like you're like a Thomas. And that, um, not that you're, you're a doubting person, but that you're one who's willing to die for the Lord. Because that's what happened with Thomas. When Jesus said he was going to go die, Thomas said, let's go with you and we will die also. Um, but not only that, I was in India, in uh, Chennai. It's a little 
city on the southern side of India. And that's where Thomas's tomb is. Of all the apostles, he traveled the furthest to, to carry the gospel. Uh, and I knew that when I, when I got that word about being a Thomas, the person also said, I see a, a, your shoes and the tread on them is worn really, really thin. I felt like the Lord is saying, you're going to be doing a lot of traveling. So my, my thing has always been equipping the saints, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And I, I felt like I was supposed to travel all over the world to the farthest places in the world to, to carry around that kind of ministry, to equip the saints for the works of ministry. And so I've been doing that. Um, in the last year, I've traveled to India, uh, Europe, and I'm about to leave in about a week to go to South Africa. Um, Lord's just, I mean, it's been amazing how the Lord just put these opportunities together. I never sought these opportunities out. I didn't go say, hey, I'd like to come speak at your church. Um, just invitations started coming, and it was really, really random how that happened. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> oh, and, and by the way, my middle name is Thomas. When the guy prophesied that to me, he had no idea that was my middle name. Isn't it kind of crazy how the Lord does stuff like that? It's just nuts. So tonight, I'm going to talk to you guys about the gift of tongues and about the gift of interpretation. Now, let me just take a, a brief survey. How many of you have been in a room where someone uh, spoke in tongues and there was an actual interpretation that went with it? Okay, wow, that's pretty cool. Now, like I said, I've traveled all over the world and I asked that question and I, I find in most churches, that's a very, very rare thing. First off, um, if, if they answer, if they, they say yes to anything, it's usually the tongues and it was a bad experience. So tonight I want to deal with that bad experience. I want to talk about, to me, it, tongues is one of the most taboo gifts in the church today. No one has a problem with teaching. Uh, people don't seem to have a problem with leadership, uh, but they do have a problem when you start talking about the gift of tongues. There's actually a doctrine that tell you that tongues are not for today. So I want to address all of these, these questions, uh, talk about tongues, but I don't want just to talk about it. I want to actually experience tongues and interpretation. How many of you like to do that tonight? Okay. Well, my first experience with this gift was actually uh, somewhat of a negative one. I've been praying for about three months to experience the power of the Holy Spirit so I can know whether or not miracles were for today. I'm over at a buddy's uh, house. This is about this, my senior year of college. I was 21 at the time. Uh, I had just started to be open to the idea that maybe God was still healing the sick. And so I started praying that prayer. God, I want to experience your power so I can know whether or not it's for today. Three months goes by. I'm praying this prayer. I would go to this group on Friday mornings. I thought this was the super spiritual group because they'd get up at 630 in the morning, a bunch of guys, and they'd pray and they'd worship together. They called it P-Pack, Prayer, Praise, and Coffee. <laughs> yes, very nerdy. Um, so I went to that group every, every Friday morning, and we would write down prayer requests on a, on a card, and you put it, fold it up, put it in a hat, and then someone would draw from it, and they'd be praying for you that week. And it was usually things that were like accountability things, like pray for me, I've been struggling with lust, or pray for me, I've been struggling with finances, or you know, whatever it is. But I put on that card every time, pray for me, I want to experience the power of God so I can know whether or not it's for today. I had agreed to pray that prayer every single time I prayed. Well, one morning, I'm talking to a buddy of mine, and, he, and I'm asking him if he's ever experienced the power of God. And he kind of gets this real stern look on his face, and, I, and he goes, yeah, I have. I go, really? He's like, yeah. And like, he, it seemed like he, he was kind of afraid to talk about it, or he didn't want to talk about it. I was like, what, was it something crazy, like tongues or something? And he goes, Yeah. <laughs> 
I said, you spoke in tongues? Well, you're not supposed to do that. He says, I know. He's like, listen, I, I, and so I have like a million questions at that point. And I'm starting to hammer him and be like, well, that's not supposed to happen today. You know, that, that's not the power of God. Um, he goes, listen, I know. Let's, let's talk about it some other time. And so we agreed to meet about a week and a half later. Uh, we got up really early in the morning, and I went over to his house to talk about tongues. Well, the night before, I had gotten to preach the gospel at a Young Life club, and uh, and there was a girl who gave her life to Jesus. She called her young life leader, told her about, her, about the, the experience she had with Jesus that night, and told her leader to call me and tell me because I preached the message. So by the end of that night, I'm feeling so proud of myself and how I preached this wonderful message and led someone to the Lord that the next morning when I showed up at his house to talk about tongues, I wasn't really interested. I was more interested in gloating about the experience I had that night, the night before. So... Uh, I tell him, man, you're never going to believe what happened. I tell him the story about how this girl gives her life to Jesus. I said, let's pray and thank God. So we get down on our knees, and we're, we're praying. And uh, at this time, I, I literally prayed this, these words every single time I prayed. God, I want to experience your power so I can know whether or not it's for today. I had made, I made a commitment to God to pray those words every time. And it didn't matter if I was praying for people or praying for, you know, blessing my food. I would throw those words in there. <clears throat> So I pray that, then I thank God, well then my friend begins to pray, and at this point he comes over, he puts his hand on my back, and as soon as his hand touches my back, I feel the power of God begin to surge through my body. It's like I got hooked up to an electric socket, and I was just vibrating all over. And at first, I started crying, I had tears coming to my eyes, just a little bit at first. But then as time goes by, I start really crying. And I'm not, I'm telling you, like, the kind of crying where you got snot all over your face, and you begin to yell, you're crying so loudly. The funny thing was, in my head, I was thinking, well, this is odd, you're crying right now. I'm like, wow, okay, you're really crying, and you're, you're yelling. Um, you're probably going to wake up his roommates. And I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, like, why am I doing this? This is really strange. So here my body is experiencing all these emotions, and my head is completely rational about the whole thing, going, well, this is really weird. Why are you doing this? And then, uh, you know, the, the thing was so emotional, I wasn't quite paying attention to the words that he was saying. And it could have gone on for probably 30 minutes, for all I know. I had no idea how long this was happening. But at some point, I become aware of the fact that my friend is praying, but I don't understand a single thing that he's saying. And so I'm, I'm listening to him, and at this point I'm kind of going, well, that sounds really weird. I was like, he's, he's not speaking English. I was like, this is tongues. <laughs> well, he's not supposed to do that. <laughs> and, then I, and then I'm thinking, is that really language? It sounds like gibberish. There's a lot of shabas in there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've seen that on TV. Um, <clears throat> And I'm doubting it at that moment. Well, right then, he begins to pray in English, and he says these words. And I rebuke spirits of doubt in the room. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm questioning whether this is real. I'm studying the doubt. He rebukes demons of doubt. Oh, my gosh, there's demons of doubt in here? I'm never coming to this guy's house again. Tongues, demons. But at some point, I mean, I, I, you know, I repent. I changed the way I think right then and there. I, I stopped downing what was happening. 
And um, I feel this, this warmth come into my body. Uh, you know how you take a cup of coffee in this kind of weather when it's freezing cold, feel it go down your esophagus and into your stomach? It's just like that, except for that, that feeling went to every single part of my body. It went all the way into my fingertips, just this uh, abiding warmth. We get done, I get up, I'm wiping snot off my face and just tears and I'm a, I'm a mess. And I get over there and I give this guy a big hug and I just didn't let go. And I go, what was that? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? He goes, I don't know, man. I, I don't ever do this. I come to find out that this guy, he was at a summer camp. He was praying for kids that he was sharing the gospel with. And one day he just starts praying in this other language. Now, he had been taught that it was wrong to do so, so he was scared to let anybody else know about it. Jesus. Wow. I said, well, why'd you do it in front of me? He goes, well, you had that prayer request. And he shows me the prayer request card that I had written that he'd been praying for me to experience the power of God. He felt like he was supposed to do that. The funny thing is, even to this day, this guy is, is still skeptical about what he's doing. <laughs> Which, which goes to show you, when you grow up in an environment where certain things are taught, it's really hard to overcome those, those beliefs, those traditions. Okay, well, I, I say that to preface a couple things. There are some traditions, there are some beliefs we probably have in this room that might need to be a little tweaked. Now, now hear this. I'm not saying you have to believe it exactly as I do, especially about this particular thing. We're not talking about the deity of Jesus here. Okay? We're talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation. It's not exactly on the highest priority list of all the important things to believe about our faith, right? So I'm going to give you permission right now to disagree with me. I'm going to teach a position. I'm going to address some other positions, but you have complete freedom whether you want to agree with me or not. That's not a problem. Again, this is a periphery issue. I do, however, feel like this gift, uh, well, both gifts, the tongues and interpretation, are incredibly beneficial for the body of Christ. You know how I know that? Well, if they weren't, why would Jesus have given them? Come on. Right? Matter of fact, in, in one of the instructions that Paul go, gave the Corinthian church, he said this. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 26. He said, So then, when you assemble together, one has a, t a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a tongue, one has an interpretation, and one has a revelation. All things are done for the edification of the body. And when is this supposed to happen? When you assemble together, Right? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I've been to church since I was 15, uh, and I was about 22 at the time when I read that passage and was like, well, that's odd. Not once have I seen tongues interpretation in any of the churches I'd been to. And, and truthfully, uh, you know, around that time, I had that experience. I started checking out other churches. And even when I, when, I, when I first heard it happen, when I first heard someone speak in tongues, I found the whole thing to be very uncomfortable. Uh, it was really, really disconcerting for me. Because what would happen is uh, someone would be trying to give a message or someone would be up worshiping and then ran, some random person in the audience would get up and say, oh, thee, I say to these people. And then they give this prophetic word. And then another person would get up and just begin randomly speaking in tongues. And then you'd all be waiting there and going, oh gosh, what are we supposed to do now? And then some other person would get up and he would have an interpretation and it would be in the King James English. As if God only spoke in the King James English. Never understood that. Uh, well, I, you know, I was, I was fortunate about a year later to uh, get in touch with a guy who, was, who could speak my language. 
He was a, a conservative evangelical guy. He had gone to seminary. He was a professor. And he began to, to teach me a, a really productive way to bring about the use of the gifts of the Spirit without causing a lot of the chaos that you see in some churches. And, uh, and he, he would actually use this as an example. He said, how many of you would show up to church one day and say, okay, who'd like to give the sermon? Do we do that in church? <laughs> would be fun, maybe. Could also be very, very strange. <laughs> and the reason we don't do it, there's a reason we don't do that. Why is that? Well, because we have a certain expectation for what teaching should look like from the, from the pulpit, right? Now, our goal is not to take that expectation and then bring it way down here. Our goal is to take all the other gifts and bring them right up there with the same standard that we have for teaching. So, in the body of Christ today, we have to raise people up who have a very powerful, a very productive gift of tongues, and find people who have a very powerful and productive gift of interpretation. Um, let's, let's talk about what actually, what is tongues? Let's get down to the very, we're going to kind of cut, cut some things up for a little bit. The first time we see a real prevalent use of uh, the word language, or glossalia, is, it's what it is in the Greek. I don't know what it is in the Hebrew. I don't even know Greek. I just happen to have heard that word. Um, <laughs> the first time we see that word prevalently used, though, is actually uh, in the Old Testament at a place in Genesis called Babel. How many of y'all know about the Tower of Babel? Okay. Uh, will you grab that whiteboard for me? Oh, I totally forgot. I've got notes for you guys. Would y'all like some notes? Okay, there's one rule to these notes. No, no, right there is good. It's fine. So I'm going to be able to write on it from here. Everything's fine. Uh, Vince, will you pass those out? The rule for the notes is uh, don't, don't concentrate so much on the notes that you miss what I'm saying. Use the notes to go back to later on. If you forget something, if you're curious about something, that's what the notes are for. So let me, let me give you a little backdrop here before the Tower of Babel. We see that the, the garden, everything was perfect. Mankind fell. From that moment forward, everything began to decay. Now there's a lot of teaching out there on, uh, on they call it eschatology or the end times and, and basically how all of human history has been leading up to these moments, uh, the culmination where Jesus is going to return and, and the church is going to finally, the bride is finally going to meet with the groom, Jesus. Well, uh, amidst that, there's, there's all kinds of vocabulary that different smart people, smarter than me, come up with. Uh, one being uh, dispensation. How many of you all heard that word, dispensation? Funny thing, it's not actually a word that you find in scripture. Uh, I mean, we don't find youth group in Scripture either, so I'm not trying to discredit it entirely. <laughs> but we don't actually find that word in Scripture. What you do find is the word eon or age. As a matter of fact, there, when, when you read Scripture about the different ages, there's only two given. Now, that's probably very different than what most people have been taught. There's called the present evil age, and then there's called the age to come. And it kind of looks like this. I mean, if, I, if I was to give you a timeline, at first you'd think it looks like this. Present evil. This is the fall right here. That's where it started. And then the age to come. Right? Now, when do you think the age to come started? 
with Jesus, right? He shows up. It's actually a passage in, in Daniel. He's, uh, Daniel's prophesying about different kingdoms that were going to rise right after the Babylonian Empire. He talks about uh, the Assyrian Empire, the Persian Empire, the, the Medes and the Persians, and the, the Medes and the, the Greeks, and then the Romans. See, all these different kingdoms rise up. And this is Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. He says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom for himself which will have no end. Well, when did God himself set up a kingdom? When did the king, king of heaven come to the earth? Jesus. He put on flesh. The king of heaven came to the earth and began to inaugurate his kingdom. His kingdom. Remember, he even said, my kingdom is not of this world. And when he cast out devils, he said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When you see a healing, the kingdom of God just showed up. Uh, Paul would also say that we're tasting the fruits of the age to come. In the age to come, what are you not going to see? Pain. Pain, sickness, death, all those things that come with the present evil age, right? Okay, now this, this is a very simplified diagram, and it's actually inaccurate. Did you know that? Here's why. It starts off here with the fall. I'm going to keep, you get that this is the present evil age. And then actually, um, it should really look like this. There's another line that comes right here. What am I showing you here? What's, what looks like, what's, what's happening here? Actually overlapping. The present evil age, and let me, let me show you how this is actually spelled out in Scripture. Believe it or not, we're in the present evil age. Believe it or not, we're also in the age to come. Because we're still experiencing the powers of evil in this world. But we're also tasting the fruits of the age to come. And we know that that age was actually inaugurated by Jesus himself. So Jesus comes, and then the age, uh, the present evil age, finally ends when, when God takes death and Hades and throws it in the lake of fire, and then it says the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. Everything ends on that day when death and Hades are thrown in lake, the lake of fire. And then you have bliss from that point forward. Um, I show you this, I, I want, I'm giving you this little bit of eschatology to help you understand the importance of tongues. Believe it or not, it does relate. Uh, in the present evil age, we see this thing happen. Right after the, uh, the fall, mankind begins to decay. All the way up until this point. And we see God doing several things in the midst of it. He actually raises up a kingdom earlier on. They were called the Israelites. They were, they were to show the world what it looked like when God was in charge. They were actually supposed to be a light for all the nations to come to know God. They weren't a nation just chosen for themselves. They were chosen for all of us. Or I should say all of you, because I'm Jewish. Um, <laughs> suckers. Uh, okay. Let me keep going. So the decay has begun, the fall of man. Then we see this time where the Tower of Babel takes place. I don't know if I'm spelling these words right. You'll have to forgive me. Um, Tower of Babel. Here's what happens. Mankind becomes so united 
that it, God literally says, nothing will be impossible for them. And they began to build a tower that would reach heaven. And so because of that, because they were evil, that man was, I mean, you've got Cain and Abel, brother killing another brother. I mean, you've got a whole uh, litany of things that are taking place that are just awful. And so here they are, they're united in their evil. So God makes a decision right then and there. On, I don't know how, how, what it looked like. I mean, I, this has got to be a crazy, chaotic experience, but he, he mixes up their languages, their tongues. All of a sudden, everybody in Babel is speaking a different language to the point where none of them understood one another. And so they began to scatter and began to build uh, other, other cities, other nations. So that way they couldn't be unified at one purpose. Okay? The next major event where we see languages the word tongues being used a lot takes place somewhere in, the, in between. Do y'all know what happens? Pentecost. Pentecost. So Acts 2. Pentecost. Let's open up that passage. Everybody open up your Bibles to Acts 2. I know I'm giving you a whole lot. This may take a little while. So I hope you... Can bear with me. Now, Jesus, right before he ascended, he told the, the disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem where you will be clothed with power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be clothed with power. And here's what actually happens on the day that they meet up. This is where we, where we get our first taste of what tongues is. And again, it just means, the, the word glossalia literally means known language. Somewhere on the earth, this language is known. That's what it means. Acts 2, verse 1, said, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were staying. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire. They were distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So here we got all the people who had been scattered, both from Babel, and then now we've got all the people who've been scattered because of the uh, Babylonian captivity. The judgment that God placed on Israelites and how he took all of them and scattered them all over the world. And they would come back to Jerusalem on Pentecost to celebrate that high holiday with one another. So now they're all in one place and God pours out his spirit. We see all these different languages being, uh, being accumulated and acquired. They were amazed and astonished. Wait, let me back up. I skipped a verse. It says there were devout men from Jerusalem, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. They were amazed and astonished saying, why are not all of these people speaking Galileans? How is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Perga. Pamphila, Egypt, and the districts around Libya, around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes or converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own language speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and perplexity, saying to one another, what does this mean? I'll tell you what it means. This age is again being inaugurated. 
The restoration of all things has begun. And tongues is a fruit of the age to come. An age where all languages come together and people can begin to understand one another again, where humanity can be united like it's never been since, since the Tower of Babel. We see here that tongues actually is a language that's understood, though. That's a key thing to note here. It's a known language. How do we know that? Because when they began to speak with tongues, people understood what they were saying in their own native language. Okay, open up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, I say that tongues is a known language, but you do find one other example where Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1, if I have the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I'm a sounding gong or clanging cymbal. So he does specify, if, even if I have all of the tongues of men and even tongues of angels. So it's quite possible that people have those tongues. Uh, I'm not honestly sure if I've met anybody who does or not, but it's quite possible that's taking place. Now, Paul addresses some other things in 1 Corinthians. Now, I've got I to tell you a little bit about the, the Corinthian church. Okay? The Corinthian church was one of the most gifted churches that we read about in the New Testament. Do you know how I know this? Paul said to them, you are not lacking in any gift. What does that tell you? They're incredibly gifted. Okay? They were also uh, a church filled with immorality and immaturity. Uh, Paul had to address one issue where a man was sleeping with his father's wife and uh, told them to excommunicate this man. He also called that church, he said, you are still immature. I could not give you solid food because you're still too immature. So you have a very immature church operating in all of the gifts. Do you think it's possible that they might be misusing some of those gifts? As a matter of fact, that's what Paul's going to address in chapter 14. He's going to say, okay, here's what you've been doing with this gift. Let's, let's address this, and let me give you a proper way to do it. But at the very end of it, he says, and it specifically has to do with tongues. At the very end of it, and right at the end of chapter 14, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Okay, so the result is not to abolish it, but to just do it correctly. Kind of cool, huh? So here we've got uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 2 says, The one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now we find out what the first use of tongues is. It's a known language, and what do you do with it? Speak to God. It's a way to pray. Verse 14, reader, it's the same thing. It says, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Or is un, unknowledgeable, un, 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 unable to understand. Which is really cool. He's saying, if I do this, my spirit is praying. So when a person speaks in tongues, what's actually happening? Their spirit is praying through their mouth, right? Now, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. I remember I had that encounter with that friend of mine, and, uh, you know, I, I'm like freaking out, and I want to tell everybody about it, but everybody thinks I'm crazy at this point. And so I go to talk to one of my, my bosses in Young Life, and I tell him about tongues. And, he's, and, and we start going through it in scriptures, and he says, well, uh, it says the one, this is First Corinthians 14, 14, it says, the one who speaks in a tongue, um, wait, actually, no, I don't know which verse that is. It's, it's right there in 1 Corinthians 14 somewhere. It says, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And this guy tells me, 
See, see, tongues is actually selfish. Because you're just edifying yourself. I'm like, well, that's odd, because in Jude 20 it says, Now, brethren, build yourselves up in the most holy faith, which means edify yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So now we're not just told to be selfish, but you're actually commanded to be selfish here. So what's cool, though, is tongues can also function as a way to build yourself up in faith. Now, I've actually seen this happen. Uh, there, there are times when I'm, when I'm really lacking in faith, where I, I'm doubting things about God, and that's very human of us. That's very normal to doubt. It, it, there's a big, and realize there's a big difference between doubt and unbelief. Okay, doubt is just simply questioning. You, you, you kind of, you know what doubt is. Unbelief is more a violent opposition against. So when it says that Jesus could do no mighty miracles in Nazareth, it didn't say it because of their doubts. It said because of their unbelief. Very different things. Um, okay, but back to, to tongues. One of the functions of tongues is it actually builds your faith. There are times when I'm doubting and I will begin to speak in tongues. And during that time, and I'm usually by myself when I do this, during that time I'll listen to the words as I'm speaking and I'm like, where are these words coming from? And right then my faith begins to get stirred because I, I'm even conscious of the fact that I know a language that I shouldn't know. There's no earthly way that I can actually speak this language, a language that I've actually had people interpret for me. They've actually, I've spoken in other people's languages. I've had people tell me, you're speaking in Portuguese. That one girl who was really frustrated with me when I was speaking in Portuguese, because she was from Brazil, and she said, you're speaking Portugal Portuguese. <laughs> now, let me just say this. I have never studied Portuguese. There's no earthly way I can know that. And I actually, I do know Spanish. And the funny thing is, when I'm speaking in tongues, I'll be able to understand a few words that I say because the Portuguese and Spanish are very similar. Yeah. <laughs> well, right then, when I hear myself speaking that language, I'm going, well, how am I doing this? Clearly, God is doing something in me that is miraculous. That is not something that, that contains, it's not an earthly power. It's a spiritual power. And again, I say power. It is powerful because Jesus told the disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem and you will be clothed with power. And what did they do? Speak in tongues. So clearly tongues has power. And there's a whole lot of power in power. <laughs> All right. So why, why would God give us an ability to pray in another language? Why would that, why would that even be beneficial? Because surely we can pray in the Spirit and it be English, right? You can pray things that are on the heart of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit tells you to pray, and you can pray those in your own native language, right? So why tongues? Why, why another way to pray in the Spirit? Well, a um, couple reasons. Uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 27, says, The Spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. Searching out his innermost being. Now that's a really interesting proverb. What does it mean? The spirit of a man is a lamp. Okay, what does a lamp do? Shines light, right? So it's actually bringing to light, your spirit brings to light the things about you that God wants to know. Because it says it's the lamp of the Lord. So it's what the Lord uses to get light, Right? Now, when you pray in a tongue, Paul says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So when you're praying in tongues, you're actually bringing things up to God that are, that are things that are important to you and your spirit. Now, sometimes when we're praying in English, that's very hard to get in touch with. 
tongues allows us to bypass what our mind is not always able to do. Um, tongues, let me, let me put it another way. Sometimes it's also just a convenient way to pray. When you know you want to get close to the Lord, because we know that it says draw near to the Lord. This is James 4. It says draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. What's one of the ways we draw near to God? Talk to him. Pray, right? Well, one easy way to draw near to God is to speak in tongues. I do that all the time. I'll be driving from one place to another and I'll just speak in tongues the whole time. You should see what happens. Remember, I used to speak in tongues so much that I began to do it in my sleep. Uh, Vince and I used to share a room together and he'd be up late night reading a book and I would be dead asleep. And all of a sudden I'd wake up because my, my hands would be in the air. And it's because I would wake myself up. I was speaking in tongues so loud in my sleep. <laughs> And one night this happens and I see, I, I, my hands are up like this. I wake up, I realize I'm speaking in language. Vince is on the other side of the room. I go, he goes, yeah, you're doing it again. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool because you can, you can pray in tongues so much that you can even edify yourself while you're asleep. I know this is all very weird stuff. Let, let's get back to the practical thing, right? Um, with interpretation, it also functions as a way to edify the body of Christ. And this is where I think the church has been lacking for a long time. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says, when you assemble together, you do these things. And the expectation was that they would assemble together regularly. You know how I know that? Hebrews. Let us not give up meeting with each other as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Christians are supposed to meet together regularly. And Paul says, when you do this, here's what you do. One has a psalm, one has a tongue, one has a, a revelation, interpretation, teaching. All these things are done for the edification of the body. This is supposed to be a regular practice of the church when they come together. And here's the, here's the benefit of it. 1 Corinthians 14, 6 says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you by way of, here's the cool part, by way of revelation, knowledge, prophecy, or teaching. He's saying, I can do these things by speaking in tongues. And you'll know that I'm doing these things when another person interprets those things. You can actually build the faith of the entire body. Um, one of the first times I, I had an interpretation happen around me, well, maybe the second time, the first few times I didn't like it. I was kind of turned off by it. Um, but it happened later on when I was with uh, some friends of mine. Now, I had been praying for some people, and really crazy things started to happen. Now, I had no one, when I, when I started experiencing these things, I had no one to teach me how to do it. And so I would read the Bible, and I'd go, oh, let's try that. And so I would just experiment, see, well, I wonder what could happen if I do this. Um, well, one day I invited one of my old Young Life kids over, and... Uh, I began telling them about the gift of tongues and about all the different gifts of the Spirit. We, we started researching through 1 Corinthians 12. And I then uh, asked him if I could pray for him to get gifts. He's like, yeah. So I pray for him, and then nothing happens. Then he goes, okay, uh, be honest. I've just been, I just don't know if I want to do all this, but here, here, let me just try again. I'm just going to make the choice to, to do this. And so I prayed for him again. This time, he begins to weep, just like I did. Except for, it starts getting really weird. Now, bear in mind, I, I didn't grow up in a charismatic community. I had never really seen these gifts expressed in the church in a way that I thought was productive. I thought it was crazy. But here this kid is, and he's beginning to weep. And then he begins to make noise. And I can't really tell if he's crying or he's laughing. 
Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure he was doing both. This goes on for 30 minutes, and at some point, and he, at this point, he's he's fallen back into the couch, and he's rocking back and forth, and he's making these sounds, and I don't, again, I don't know if he's laughing or crying, and I'm freaked out. I think, what have I done to this kid? <laughs> I'm serious. I was really freaked out. I really didn't know what I'd done to him, but I knew, like, okay, I hope no one else finds out about this. Uh, I could lose my job, and I did. Um, <laughs> So here he is. He's rocking back and forth. I'm like, hey, are, are you okay? And he kind of like goes. <laughs> I'm like, Emily Rose? <laughs> Out of the... Um, so he looks at me like this. He goes, and I'm like, are you okay? And then he starts speaking in this language. I'm like, ah, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> And he just starts laughing. And, and all he can do, I, I realized at this point, I was like, can you speak in English? He goes. <laughs> and then he starts speaking in this language again. I'm like, oh my gosh. What have I done? His parents are going to freak out when they see him next. This continues for four hours. He can literally not speak English. At some point, he's exhausted. He goes to bed. And when he wakes up, he can speak English again. So later that week, uh, he, he goes back home. He was from College Station. I was living in Dallas. I call him up, and I'm reading a, a Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. So I call him up, and I'm like, hey, I want you, I know we just had a crazy experience. I want you to read Ephesians 6 and start praying for the armor of God in your life because I feel like the devil's going to come and attack you and attack the experience you just had this weekend and make you doubt it. So he's like, okay, cool. He comes back in town the next weekend. I realize we just had a really crazy experience. So we're thinking like, Jesus must be coming back. We need to meet again. So he drives back into Dallas and, uh, and we're sitting there talking. And at this point, I'm actually waiting for another friend of mine to come over so we can pray for him. Well, I start asking him, okay, so, so did you read that scripture? He's like, oh yeah, man, it was awesome. He starts telling me all about it. And at some point I realize I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, what scripture are you talking about? I said, Jeremiah 1. I, I, I didn't tell you to read Jeremiah 1. He goes, yeah, you did. I said, no, I didn't. I told you to read Ephesians 6. He's like, yeah. And then you call me back and you told me to read Jeremiah 1. I said, dude, I didn't call you back. He goes, yes, you did. I pull out my phone, look at the log on my phone. I called you one time. He pulls out his phone. He shows you called me twice. I'm like, I don't even know what Jeremiah 1 says. I open up Jeremiah 1, and it's when Jeremiah is called by God to be a prophet. I realize that this young man has been called by the Lord to be a prophet. What's crazy is, when he could not speak English, he actually started hearing God tell him things about friends of mine, people in my family. And because he couldn't speak in English, he would write it all down. Things that were very specific about one of my best friends who stopped talking to me because of the whole tongues thing. He said, your best friend Bryce, he's, gonna, he's going to speak in tongues and prophesy. And I'm like, there's no way. This guy had actually written a blog against everything I was doing. We hadn't spoken in like six months. Guess what happened? <laughs> Spoken tongues and prophesied. Uh, okay, so we realize what's happened. God has called him on the phone and called him to be a prophet. Literally called him to be a prophet. <laughs> and he used my voice. How 
would you feel if someone started doing things in your name? I'm like, we're going to talk about this one day, Jesus. There's a trademark on that voice. That'll cost you money. I expect blessing. Um, so we're waiting for my other friend to show up because we're going to pray over him. Well, it's an hour later. He hasn't come over. And so I call him up. I'm like, dude, where are you? He's like, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, well, you're all going to pray in tongues, right? I was like, yeah, probably. He was like, well, I was talking to my mom, and she said that you shouldn't speak in tongues unless there's someone there to interpret. And I was like, well, you kind of got a point there. Uh, it does say that you shouldn't speak in tongues unless you're an interpreter. Well, I was like, I don't know, man. Just come over. I was like, dude, I've known you since we were in seventh grade. Just come over. So if you hear me speak in some random language that you don't understand and nothing happens, then we'll move on. No big deal, right? I said, just trust me. Just come over. So finally, another hour goes by. He shows up at my place. Um, I, I talked to him again about 1 Corinthians 12, just like I did my Young Life kid. And, uh, and he's, he's, he starts looking to 1 Corinthians 12 and sees all the different nine gifts. And he's like, oh, cool. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. It's like he's just going through the shopping list going, well, that would be kind of cool. And, and that would be too. And so we finally get to the part where I pray for him to get some more gifts. So we pray. And we're praying in tongues. And at some point, I notice, and his name's Adam, at some point I notice Adam is starting to weep. And I look at him like, I wonder what's going on. Now I know Adam has been in some trouble, you know, probably some sin or something like that. I'm like, I say, hey, are you okay? And he goes, yeah. I go, you're, you're crying. He's like, yeah, man. It's like, okay. And he looks at me and goes, do you know what you're saying? I said, no, not really. Because you don't understand any of that. I said, no. And then he turns to my young life kid and he goes, you don't understand any of that? He says, no. Now, Adam, do, do you understand what we're saying? He says, yeah, I understand. You guys don't understand any of that? He goes, oh my gosh. He just starts crying again. And I'm like, dude, what did we say? <laughs> Sorry, you guys are on the, uh, the spitting row. You get... The anointing is coming. I'm uh, like, dude, what do we say? He goes, and he's weeping at this point. Now, I've known Adam seventh grade. And he tells me that the things I was praying were things that only a brother would say to a brother in the most intimate of occasions. And that's why he was crying. And he said, my young life kid, he was praying about the blood of Jesus and about the crucifixion. Do you think tongues is profitable when there's interpretation? Do you think Adam's faith and ours was built up in that moment? I'll tell you, when you have interpretation, revelation comes. You can have teachings that are otherworldly, that come from the Spirit and not from our mind. Right? Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. It literally bypasses anything that your mind could, could mess up. Because it's a spirit language. And when there's interpretation, you get the spirit interpretation. You can actually hear the words of the spirit. That is awesome. Now, let me deal with some quick misconceptions. How much time do I have? I have no idea. Is everybody ready to go home? No. Go, use the bathroom. Speak in tongues the entire time, David. I'll know if you don't. 
Okay. One uh, misconception, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to address this. Okay. Now, again, this is one of those areas where you're free to disagree with me. I do not personally believe that as Christians we get every gift. Okay. Here's why. Um, and, and this is another thing. I don't believe everybody speaks in tongues or has that gift. I do, however, believe that when you ask for something, God is willing to give. Okay? And here's why I don't believe you get every gift when, when you uh, become a Christian. Uh, let's, I'll just go through the, the passages. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians ver- chapter 12, verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware. I love the fact that Paul, one of the things he didn't want the church to be unaware about were the spiritual gifts. Even though the large portion of the Western church has no idea what they are. Other than teaching. It says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Now, here's the verse where I, one of the main verses I would say you don't get every gift. And I think it's actually a beautiful picture of the way God wants to use the church today. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There's good news in that. When you use the gifts that God is giving you, you're actually manifesting the Holy Spirit. I want to be spiritually minded all the time. And when you operate in the gifts, you're actually manifesting His Spirit. But it says to each one individually is given the manifestation of of the Holy Spirit. One is given a gift of word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing. I love that too. It says gifts, plural. It's the only time you see that. Gifts, plural, of healing. Now, why would you use a plural form unless there were different kinds of gifts given of healing? Because if you just got them all, what's the point of that? To another, the effecting miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. And then He gives this great analogy, this great metaphor of what, of what, uh, what has happened with the body of Christ. It says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. And you are Christ's body and individual members of it. Okay, get this. We as a as a as a Christians worldwide, we form the body of Christ. And each one of us play a certain part of it. And Paul begins to talk about. You know, some people think they're more spiritually minded because they're an eye in the body. Another person thinks he's more spiritual because he's a hand. Whereas reality, we all have differing gifts, but together, those gifts create the body of Christ. Together, the church represents Christ on this earth. Love that. And when the body and all of those gifts are being, uh, are unified and being used, and everybody gets to use their gift, you manifest most fully the body of Christ. Christ on the earth, the church. And then it says this, now verse 27, it says, Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. 
all are not apostles. Now, you're going to catch is a bunch of questions, and the implicit answer to each one of these questions is no. It's implied by the very questions. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Why, why make mention of the fact that all don't have or don't do? In and, and one, and one instance it says actually don't have. All do not have gifts of healing. Okay? Why, let me rephrase this. If you had all of the gifts, then why would you ever have any need of anybody else in the body of Christ? And here, here's the thing. Every single person has not been left without the Holy Spirit. It's not like there's those who are the professional Christians who have the gifts and those who don't. Okay? If you are a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've been given His Holy Spirit. And with that comes the manifestation of the Holy Spirit or gift of the Holy Spirit. Every single person in this room has a gift uniquely given to them individually because God desired it to be that way. That means on some level... In order for us to see Christ, we actually need one another. In order to see that kind of manifestation of the Holy Spirit, we genuinely need you to know what your gift is and begin to walk it out. And that, that's the whole point of 1 Corinthians 14, 26. One has a psalm, another has a teaching, another has a tongue, another has an interpretation. You let all, everybody has something to bring to the church. And when you assemble together, you actually do these things. Um, I love this passage in 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. It says, as each one has received a special gift. I love that. Now, notice here, if he wanted to say that you had all the gifts, he could have said, as each one has received all the gifts. But he didn't say that, does he? It says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do as one who's speaking the very utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. I love this. Everyone has received a special gift. Employ it. Use it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There's some of you in this room, and I tell you this, because this, this passage is for you. Some of you in this room that have not been using your gift. You've been neglecting it. And I don't know what reason. But it's time to bring that gift out to serve one another. The body of Christ needs your gift. Now I'll tell you this though. When you use your gift, expect for that gift to be refined. Paul had to address an entire church about their use of tongues. We don't always use our gifts properly. Doesn't mean we don't have them. Just means we have to learn how to use them in a way that actually benefits and actually edifies the body of Christ. I remember um, I was really, really wanting the gift of tongues. And here's what I thought would have to happen. I thought all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would come on me like it did that, that young life kid of mine. And I, he would just take my tongue and start wagging it about. <laughs> how many, come on. How many of you thought when you were going to speak in tongues that's what was going to happen to you? Okay, here's what happened when I spoke in tongues. Some guy was praying for me. He's like, okay, now speak. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. 
He's like, okay, it's going to come from your spirit. And he says, the spirit of God is a candlestick of the Lord, searching out his innermost being. Well, that innermost being, actually, that word is actually belly or bosom. So that's where he searches, right? That's where he resides. And, he, and so this guy was like, just, you'll feel it right here and just let it come out. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't really know what, how to do this or whatever. So I was just like, okay, this is going to probably be stupid, but here I go. And I just began to speak. Now, I thought I was saying the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I, I spoke, and I thought it was just gibberish, and then we get done. He's like, okay, you did it. Good for you. And I'm like, I don't know if I did it, really. <laughs> I thought I just spoke gibberish. But here's what would happen. He's like, listen, I want you to just go home. 15 minutes a day, I want you to speak in tongues. I'm like, you want me to speak in gibberish? He's like, I want you to speak in tongues 15 minutes a day. So I was like, okay, I'd do it. And here's what I noticed would happen. I'd go home, I'd begin to speak in this gibberish, and then I'd forget everything I said. Then the next day, I'd do it again. And, and I, I remember at one point going, hey, that's the thing I said yesterday. I'm saying the exact same thing over again. At this point, my faith is starting to take off. Now know this, faith is the currency of heaven. It really is. It's, it's the way in which we access or buy the things that are in heaven. A spiritual language actually is act, enacted by faith. Paul even said to the, the Romans, uh, prophesy in accordance to your willpower, faith. Your spirituality, your faith. So all of the gifts are enacted in the same way through faith. So I began to just do it and make a choice to believe it. And after a while, my faith began to get built up. And at one point, I remember my language just took off to the point where I was no longer just saying the same phrase and over and over again. I could speak in full paragraphs. I could speak, I mean, I could, novels of tongues coming out of my mouth. Um, I'm serious. That's, that's the way, it, it's like when you first, when a baby learns a new language, what is it at first? It's babble, right? They kind of have a word for it, baby babble. Where do you think they get the word babble from? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean baby babble, right? Um, in the beginning, it's just babble. And then after a while, they begin to learn words, and they begin to put those words together and actually make phrases, and then they begin to put together sentences, and then they can start doing paragraphs and speak fluently, right? Why would it be any different with a spiritual gift? I mean, there's tons of times where you read in Scripture, it says, you are still yet babes. I could not give you solid food because you are still yet immature, right? You grow into your gifts. Uh, Paul also told Timothy, set a flame or stoke into fire the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, right? Stoke into fire, that means cause a fire to grow. It means take the gift you've been given and cause it to grow. And how do you cause it to grow? Use it. You stir it up, right? You, you, you build yourself up in faith. You step out in faith. And again, it's all, it's all enacted through faith. Okay, question for you. Should we use tongues without an interpreter? Now, what is the context of 1 Corinthians 14? Who is Paul talking to? Is it just one person like Paul when, he's, when he wrote that letter to Timothy? He's talking to the entire Corinthian church, right? And not just actually that church. Usually that letter, whenever some, one of the apostles would write a letter, it would actually get circulated amongst the churches in that area. That's why we still have them today. They would copy them and they would begin to circulate them through all the other congregations. So Paul's not addressing a single individual. He's addressing an entire church. And he's talking about when you gather together. When you gather together, one has a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a tongue, interpretation, revelation. 
the reason I bring this up is the time when Paul forbids speaking in tongues without interpretation is when they're gathered together. Is he talking about two friends that are just praying together? That's not the context. Now, you can apply it to that context if you want to, but I don't think that was Paul's intention. I think he was trying to, to protect the Corinthian church of making people think they were entirely crazy. But there's also a contextual thing taking place there. Uh, you know that there's a... Let me read this passage for you. So this is verse 21, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, if you speak in tongues... Um, Actually, let me back up. This is verse 20. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and an ungifted or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you are mad? Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. What's going to happen if the whole church is assembled together and people are speaking in tongues and some unbeliever walks in? They're going to think you're mad. As a matter of fact, at one point, it actually says, tongues is a sign of judgment. Did you know that? You can find that in 1 Corinthians 14 as well. Here's why it's a sign of judgment. Now, now, if an unbeliever comes in or a random Jewish person comes in and he hears people speaking in languages that they don't know, if you're a Jew, then you're actually going to know this passage of Scripture. Isaiah 28, 11. It says, In the law it is written, By men of strange tongues, I will, uh, men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to these people, and even so they will not listen to me. This is a reference to when the Jews were going to be overtaken by the Babylonians. It was a sign of judgment for the sins. They had been worshiping the Baal and the Ashtaroth, these different gods. So God had decreed a judgment. He, he was going to bring in a foreign nation, people who spoke a different language, and they were going to overtake the Israelites. So imagine if a Jewish person walks into a congregation and they're all speaking in this language they don't understand. They're like, oh no, we're being taken over again. That's why it was a sign of judgment. Okay, for, for those who believe, though, it's supposed to edify their faith, especially when there is interpretation. So what Paul is aiming at doing is protecting people who don't understand it and trying to encourage the believer to pursue interpretation. He says, if one of you speaks in tongues, pray that you may interpret. So that way the whole body can receive edification from it. Now, Paul even said of himself, when I'm with you guys... I, I, I don't desire to speak in tongues. I desire to speak in your language so that you may be built up. So that really is the function of it, unless you've got interpretation. Now, but here's another thing. And again, Paul says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. How are you going to know if someone can interpret unless someone speaks in tongues? How is that gift ever going to be discovered in a congregation unless someone speaks in tongues? So at some point, you have to actually step out there and, and come through the leading of the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and pray for an interpretation. That's the only way it's going to happen. And in settings like this, where you're kind of experimenting and learning on the gifts, it's a great time to learn. You all like to learn right now? Yeah. All right, let's do this. Tell you what, let me... Okay, we're running out of time here. Let me, let me just... I'm going to address... If, if anybody has questions, I'll answer two questions. So if your question is really important, I want you to ask it, okay? <laughs> I just want to make sure that there's questions, we address them, but I don't want to deal with a whole lot. We, just, we don't have time, that much time. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. What's your name? Charles. I remember you, Charles, from last year when I spoke about this. Yeah. Can you ever lose a gift? Can you ever lose a gift? Um, I would say no, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Paul told the Romans, the giftings and callings of God are without repentance. Um, 
And that passage can seem to imply that you can't lose a gift, though the context is actually talking about Israel and their gift and their calling. But I, w I would think that when you get a gift, you can't lose it. You can certainly stop using it. And, and you can also cause that fire to go down. That's why Paul instructed Timothy, use your gift. Stoke it into fire again. So I, I would think not. I don't think God's an Indian giver. That's a really bad phrase. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 blunder of the mouth right there. Foot, I could taste the foot right now. Really want to slap myself right now. Well, that's the last time, and that was the last time he spoke at the storehouse. <laughs> That was a bad one. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, next question. Change the subject. <laughs> so right as it came out of my mouth, I just. <laughs> next question. Any questions? Any other questions out there? Yeah. Please. What's your name? James. James. How do you know if you're? How do you know if it's not authentic tongue if you've only prayed in private or around like your family? That's a a great question. I would say seek to interpret. That's one of the best ways to find out is when you have someone else there to interpret. There have been times when we would just practice speaking in tongues and interpreting, and two people would get the exact same interpretation for what you said. Other times where I would, I would have my friend Adam come in town, and he would interpret for people. And, uh, I mean, there was one time where I had a dream about uh, another friend of mine, a guy named Joe. Uh, Jeremy and Vince and I used to live with this guy. And I would pray over Joe. I remember one time I had a dream about him that he, uh, that he acquired a lot of wealth and he began to restore impoverished countries and cities. And so when I had that dream, I decided I'm going to pray in tongues over him, and Adam's going to interpret, and let's see if he gets anything about it. And so I knew in my head what I was thinking about. I was thinking about the wealth that he was going to accumulate. So I began speaking in tongues over him. Well, Adam is writing down everything that I'm, every interpretation he's getting. So in my head, I know exactly what I'm thinking about as I speak in this other language. Well, he show, holds up his piece of paper. Or he actually has got it. He said, okay, what do you think you were praying about? I said, well, I, I think I was praying about the, the wealth that God wants to give him. And he holds up his piece of paper. He says, you were praying about the gold that God wanted to give him. Now, you think that would authenticate that you have a gift when someone interprets something like that? Those, those kind of things happen a lot. Another thing that can happen is as you do it regularly, you'll find that you have more faith than you had before. You really will. And I would say the best way to, to know is to do it regularly. You'll find that your spirit has changed. Um, and then interpretation is obviously another great way. And the only way you're going to know if someone can interpret is if you speak in tongues. So just try it out. Experiment. All right. Any other questions? I'll get one more here. Okay. Let's stop there. Let's, let's, uh, let's do some, some actual practice of this stuff. Okay. What's, what was your name again? I forget. Megan, is that right? What is it? Katie. Katie, Katie, come here. Come here, Katie. You're going to be my guinea pig for the night, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you, Katie, in tongues. Now, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to listen to see if you get an interpretation. Now, I've seen interpretation, and the Bible actually doesn't speak a whole lot about how interpretation works, other than that 
Christians can do it, right? So here's what I want you to pay attention to. This is just what I know through experience. Experience. This is not scripture. One of the ways that I've seen people interpret in the past is when a person is speaking in tongues, they hear in their head English or their own native language. Okay, another way it happens. When I speak in tongues, somebody actually understands it in a different language that they happen to know. So for instance, me speaking uh, Portuguese and someone understanding it in Portuguese and is able to tell me what I was saying. Another way is, um, sometimes you will just understand what the words mean. Like, you said the word Jesu, and it means Jesus. And you just, some uncanny way of going, I just know what those words mean. And you're able to repeat back the word and say what it means. So I would say those three ways. Now, there are a lot of prophetic people, and usually when you're prophetic, you can pick up on some of those things through a vision. But, but I would not say that's an interpretation per se. I would say that's more of a prophetic inclination, okay? Does that make sense? So you'll either hear like a stream of thoughts come in your head that are they're usually you know in your own native language as I'm speaking or right after I speak. Um, you'll hear you'll just understand what their words mean, or you'll you'll recognize that language and you happen to know that language. Does that help? Okay, that's not the most articulate way of talking about it, but I'm gonna pray for you. Okay, Katie. Okay, uh, Katie, I, I just want you to lift up your your heart to God, and I want you to pray silently to Him and just tell Him the the things that are going on in your heart, the the real desires of your heart. Okay. All right. Now as she's doing this. I'm gonna pray for her. Okay, and I want you guys to listen for one of those three ways in which you may get an interpretation. Now, this is going to be fun, but you have to step out in faith. Faith is the currency by which we find out whether or not these things are actually true. So you have to step out in faith. Okay? So you listen. I'll pray. Katie, just lift up your heart to the Lord. Tell him, just start telling him about things that are really, really on your heart. The reason I'm having Katie do this is because oftentimes when I speak in tongues, my spirit will know exactly what to pray for her. And it may be the very thing that she's lifting up to the Lord herself. Lord, I thank you for this gift. Would you pour, 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 pour it out, pour out the gift of interpretation on this congregation. Let people understand what I'm saying. May this whole church be edified and built up in faith. Thank you so much for what you've given us. Holy Spirit, come. Let us manifest you. Now, now here's the crazy thing. I could go on all night doing that. But for the sake of you guys, I want to actually get uh, the meaning behind what was just spoken. Now, I, this is a step of faith. You just can have to risk it and see what happens. But how many of you feel like you might have understood what was said? No, let, me, let me rephrase it. How many of you definitely, you're like, oh my gosh, I know what you're saying. Raise your hand up high. Let me see you. 
I know you did. You did it last time. And you were like, it was crazy. Um, it was good. Good crazy. Is any, anybody you just, you know that you got an interpretation for that? Okay. So that one person. Okay. Uh, how many of you feel like you might have gotten something? You're not sure. You're kind of experimenting, but you, you think you might have gotten something. Okay. Huh? Do you know Portuguese? Well, sometimes it's Portuguese, sometimes it's French, sometimes it's something I don't even know. Um, okay, if you feel like you've understood something, can you come up here so we can hear? I think what you're going to find out is that several people got the same thing and they were too afraid to talk about it. I, I, I'm telling you, I've done this a lot and it's happened almost every time I've done this. So if you felt like you might have gotten something, will you just come up right here? Thank you. Thank you very much for that. It's a big step of faith. There you go. Thank you. There you go, Vince. Vince, you're going last. He's so gifted. He's got a... There you go. Okay. Now, if some of you are too scared to get up, get ready. You're about to get confirmed that you actually heard something. This is going to be fun. All right, Lance. Tell me, tell me what you felt like I was, I was praying for. Now, this is for you. Remember, I was praying for you, right? Okay, so this is what God wants to say to Katie, or this is what my spirit was praying about Katie. I, I literally kept on getting the word conservation. I don't know what that means, like conservation. Like I'm saying it over and over again? It's, I don't know. It just kept coming to me. Like, it's just... Okay, hold on know. to that. What's your name? Michelle. Michelle. And I see pictures, so I ignored those. Okay. Um, and the words I heard, though, well, I've had interpretation from pictures, but I ignored them. Anyway, um, the words I heard were, beloved, I am with you. Beloved, I see you. Okay. What I got was school and provision, and then I felt like family and specifically her mother, her relationship be restored. Oh, you got that, and you didn't stand up? Did y'all see that? She said, oh, I got the same thing. Sure you did. No, I just don't say <laughs> Okay, say your name real quick for everybody. Uh, Charles. Right. So uh, please forgive me if, uh, if I'm off or anything. Um, felt You're not allowed to come back to church if you get it wrong, okay? <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm totally messing with you. Okay. Um, felt like you was almost as a as the Heavenly Father was speaking through you. And it was, my child, why do you worry so much about uh, next year, next month, next week, even tomorrow, when you know that I know every bit of you? You're wondering where I'm leading you to, how you're going to get there, where you're going to go. And my child, am I not the one that formed every bit of you, that formed your strengths, that knows every bit of you? I know every single ounce. I have breathed life into you. Uh, I think I heard mother in there and about relationship being formed as well, but just I'll hold on to that. Does that mean anything to you there, Katie? Oh, okay. Joy, what'd you get? Well, I got the mother thing too, except for he says that you're going to be a, I heard that you're going to be a mother. And then I heard that 2000, I heard, I heard him say 2014 is the year that he's going to take you further and further. The Lord told me this 2015 was going to, so one of us was wrong. <laughs> hey, you go sit down right now. No, just, <laughs> um, you were praying for her that that she would uh, have like 
like there's been fear of stepping into something new, whether it be school or something in specifically to your calling, and that uh, that fear, uh, he was praying against it, that you wouldn't have a fear of death, you wouldn't have a fear of stepping into your future and in, into your calling. Now, Katie, um, you don't have to share, but when you were praying silently to God, was it in relation to anything that they were talking about? Uh, my future. One, uh, mainly the future, whereas where he wants to, me to go, not necessarily how much time, but just future. And then um, I wasn't praying for my mom, but recently we've had some stuff, stuff come up. up. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of came as a shock at first, but then the more they kept talking about my mom, the more it was apparent to me. And then, um, I don't think what else. Um, what was it that Charles said again? Is that your name? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. What all did you say again? Come, come here, Charles. Whenever he spoke, whenever, whenever he spoke it was like, really Okay. Um, can, I, can I hold it for a sec? No. Okay. <laughs> I love you, but no. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. So. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> It took a second, yeah, settled in. So what I was, uh, what I was hearing was, it, it was like a, a heavenly father speaking in a loving way. That's what happened last time you came as well. And um, I heard, my child, why are you so worried about what's going to happen next year, next month, next week, tomorrow? My child, don't you know that I know every bit of it. I'm with you today. I'm with you tomorrow. I know your strings. I have breathed life into you. Um, you're wondering how you're going to get where you're going to go, how, uh, when you're going to get there. Have I, have I not been faithful thus far? And so, uh, and I heard mother in there, but I didn't know how it was coming in there. I think it was about relationships being restored. Okay. So, Now, isn't that cool that the very thing that she was lifting up to God and some other things that were on her heart, but that she wasn't specifically paying attention to, all got prayed for just now. And all of us, our faith got to be built in just witnessing it take place. Isn't that crazy? Now, how many of you out there, be honest with me, how many of you got something similar, but you didn't stand up? Look around you. Isn't that crazy? And the thing is, it doesn't take a lot of time to try this stuff out. When you meet with friends, when you assemble together, if you pray together, if you worship together, you can do these very things. Just experiment. See what happens. The Spirit is real, and every one of you has a gift. The, right, coming here to church, it's the place where you find out what it is and begin to learn how to use it. And it's actually to bring the whole world into the faith, to show them what Jesus looks like. So I, I think for now, I'm going I'm to stop here, but maybe want to come up and do some ministry and, and that bit. Um, You want to just come up here and release that? Thank you, guys. Everybody give them a round of applause. Katie, thank you so much. Thank you. Sometimes I feel like I get up here and I, you know, I make a lot of jokes, and it can be, you know, I try to entertain a little bit, but uh, I don't want you guys thinking that this is a magic act. Okay? This is really the heart of the Lord, and it's these gifts that he uses to bring about faith for people that desperately need it. Okay? I, I joke a lot. I'm very, I, you know, I can be a little bit cavalier about these things, but, but don't mis, misunderstand my heart behind it. God, you, you have to use your gift for the world to see what Christ looks like. You've got to.